0: are having a good day whether you're winning or losing I love you no matter what we're gonna make it through Hope you're having a good day whether you're winning or losing I love you no matter what
1: we're gonna make it through Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Music and Vibes. Thank you so much for joining me. I am your host, Kiana W. Mitchell. I am so excited to be hanging out with you guys today. I really missed you last week. Oh my goodness. If I could just tell you what I went through to try to get the podcast out last week, you would be amazed. But as you know, it didn't work out very well because of technical difficulties. So here we are today recording a podcast. Thank God technical difficulties have been fixed and we are good to go. Well, let me explain what happened last week um well let me just start by saying this I do not have an office at home I don't really have a place to record the podcast so typically I'll do it in my car which is the best place to do it I call it my little podcast office because in the car all the sound is in the car no one's bothering you because you're in the car all by yourself and you can just um, plug up your laptop And easily just plug up the microphone to it and you can just talk. Now, the only bad thing about the car sometimes is like in the summer, it gets hot. And since I want the best sound quality possible, I do not wind down my window to the car while I'm in there, nor do I turn on the air condition. So in the summer, yeah, it can be like a sauna. And a couple of times I had to stop recording just to wind down the window and get some air. So that is the con about the car. But the pros are, no one's bothering you. You can take as long as you need to because no one's using the car. It is just amazing. It's not one of those things where if I did it in the house, I have to tell the kids, all right, now be quiet. And you know how that is. Sometimes they listen. Sometimes they do not. So that is why I love recording in the car. However, last week, it was extremely hot. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to record in the car. I record in my house. Now, this was a good solution because... I got off early from work, my kids were in school, and I actually had time to record in the house. So I sat down, it was quiet, or so I thought it would be, and I started to record. So I went through the first part of the podcast, which is what I typically do, and then I'll stop it and save it. But I noticed that the whole time I was recording, I kept hearing this annoying squeaky noise in the background. It was like, squeak! squeak and it just kept happening like periodically I was like what is that but I couldn't figure it out so I went through the whole podcast they were squeaking I live on the road like my house there's a street in front of it so for some unknown reason cars were just going by left and right so I heard all this noise from vehicles needless to say it was not as quiet as I thought so when I tried to edit it you know what I heard yeah I heard the squeaking which, by the way, turned out to be my fire alarm and that we just need to get new batteries. But you heard the squeaking noises. You heard the car going by. And for some reason, the microphone didn't pick up. It was a mess. The sound quality was like all over the place. And I was just listening to it. At first, I was like, you know, I could probably save this. So I tried to do my editing. I tried to save it. It was not salvageable. So... My only other conclusion was to record the podcast over. However, that would mean that I couldn't get it out to you last week. And so I had a choice to make. Either I get the podcast out to you with a new episode and the sound quality was trash. Or I wait a week record it and make sure the sound quality was up to par. And I decided to wait a week, record it, and then make sure the sound quality was up to par. I also went to my computer and fixed all of my little technicalities and made sure that there were no technical difficulties because I also think something was going on with the mic as well. So I decided to fix everything before I started to record again so that I can make sure you guys got the best sound quality possible. Now I know I am not one of those, I'm not good when it comes to like microphones and stuff, but I do feel that if you listen to like my very first episode of the podcast, and you listen to the podcast now, you can see a huge difference. And I kind of pride myself in each time I do a podcast that the sound quality gets better and better and better. Yes, I know, I'm I'm human, I'm not perfect, and I can't fix everything. But I do want to make sure that the things that I can control are where they need to be. Because nothing would make me more disappointed than for you to listen to the podcast and the sound quality is not where it should be. Because... I would not want to listen to a podcast if sound quality was not good. Yeah, I really wouldn't do that. I just appreciate you guys hanging out with me so much. And I appreciate you tuning in week after week. So I just want you guys to have the best sound quality possible. So that is why last week we did not have a podcast. However, I did try to make up for it by posting an older episode. So all of you guys who heard that episode and listened to it, thanks for listening to it. But those of you who didn't hear that episode... If you go to um, the Music and Vibe Facebook page, I think I have it still posted up there. So you should be able to click on a link and hear that episode. And like I always say, if there is an episode that you've already heard that I posted again, feel free to go through my list of episodes that you have not heard and listen to them. I can proudly say now, including the one today, I actually have. 21 episodes that you can listen to and so if you have not heard them all just go through and pick the ones that you want to hear and listen to them because i'm sure you would get a you would love to hear those as well so you have a lot to choose from so if you didn't hear one last week and you just want to catch up on music and vibes you can go and listen to any episode that you like and listen to an episode of music and vibes now this week i am going to um Tell you the story that I told last week that you didn't hear because of technical difficulties. Well, last week I wanted to tell you about my daughter. I still think it's a funny story because my kids are amusing to me. Like they are the funniest little humans around. They amuse me all the time. They're like my sitcoms, only in real life. They're really comedy. So last week I told the story about my daughter, Kennedy. Now, she was helping her little sister, Dawson, do the volcano project for school. Now, I know they have to learn about volcanoes and stuff, but I hate that project. Kennedy did it. Thank God Megan did not have to do it, but it caught Dawson, so she had to do it. It was a project where we had to make a volcano. And, you know, most of the time it, we have to use paper mache and glue and make the volcano and then make it explode or erupt. I just hate it because it's so messy like I don't know about you but it's like there is no way for me to do paper mache without making a mess I make mess on the table on the floor on the counters there's just a mess everywhere my kids are a mess I'm a mess and I just hate cleaning up paper mache I also hate being a mess because that's like the hardest stuff to ever get off your hands paper mache so I tried to get out of it so I told my daughter Kennedy I was like hey since you did this before you can help Dawson with her project and Kennedy was like okay so we got what we needed for the paper mache and so I gave them the paper the flour water I think and glue however Kennedy was reading the ingredients for the mixture for the volcano and so she was going through everything so I came out of my room and I was like Kennedy I said what are you doing she's like I'm making my mixture I was like hey don't forget the glue she's like mom I don't need glue because the ingredients did not call for glue. I was like, well, Kennedy, I'm pretty sure you're going to need glue because I don't see how you're going to make it stick without glue. So then it's funny because she looks at me with like this tween, intelligent look like I'm an idiot. And she's like, the flower, Mom. The flower will make it stick. I was like, are you sure? Because I'm pretty sure you need glue. And she's like, Mom, it's the flower. I was like, okay, fine. It's the flower. Do your thing. I was like, call me if you need help she's like okay so her and Dawson and then at this point Megan my middle daughter was helping us they were shredding up the paper making a mixture so they left out the glue even after I told them not to they still did it so maybe like 30 minutes later I came out and Kennedy was sitting down there and I see her like constantly just picking up the paper and trying to put it on the bottle um what is it? The soda bottle they had to put the paper mache on. She kept trying to put the paper on the, on the soda bottle. But guess what? It wouldn't stick. And so I said, Kennedy, what's going on? She's like, yeah, we're just putting the paper mache on the soda bottle so we can make the mountain or so we can make the volcano. I was like, okay. I was like, well, how's this going? She's like, it's fine. She's like, we're having problems making it stick, but it'll be fine. We're going to get this. And I said, okay, well, calm if you need anything. She's like, okay. So, I come back out, maybe 20 minutes later, and the reason I came out of my room, because I heard Kennedy getting upset, and usually when she gets upset or frustrated, she makes a growling noise, she's like, ugh, and I was like, hey, what's going on, she's like, mom, it's not working, I was like, well, what's going on, it won't stick, she's like, look, and she kept putting it on, and it kept falling off, she kept putting it on, it kept falling off, and I was like, well, Kennedy? I said, maybe you should just try a little bit harder and see if it works. You know, at this point, I was trying not to say, told you so, should have use the glue? I was waiting for a good time to put it in. You know, I just didn't want to sound like I was rubbing it in. Even if I wanted to, I was like, I'm not going to do that today. So I just told her, hey, just keep trying, see what happens, and um, call me if you need any help. She's like, okay. So finally, 20 more minutes later, she came to me and she's like, mom, can we just throw this away and start over? I was like sure what's going on she's like I don't know no, no matter what I do it won't stick She's like when well, we did it before it actually stuck and it worked She's like I don't know what's going on I don't know why it won't stick And then I said I don't know maybe it's because you didn't use the glue And then she's like oh I was like come on just say it you know I'm right She's like okay fine then she act like she was getting tortured And she was like you were right I should have used the glue I was like, just a little, say it one more time, a little bit louder. And she's like, okay, fine. You're right. I should have used the glue. I was like, cool. I guess so I needed to hear. And so then after that, she's like, can I just do it over? I was like, yeah. So they threw it in the trash, and then they started over. But this time, we didn't do paper mache, because that was a mess to clean up for a failed volcano. So we just got um, clay. Yeah, and that just works as well. And you just put the mixture in. It was, a, it was cute. It was a nice little volcano and we had less mess. But I thought the funny thing was how I specifically said, don't forget to add glue. She said she didn't need it. Then, of course, as you know, it didn't work out because you can't make paper mache stick without glue. And Then finally, she had to admit that I was right. So that was amazing for me because my child had to admit that I was right. But while I was going through all this, it kind of made me think of what um, I used to do when I was a kid. It's weird, but all three of my daughters have like, something in me, something that I used to do, like one of my personality traits or characteristics. And it's funny because it's like each one of them had that one thing that used to annoy my mom to no end. So it's like, I, used, I well, okay, maybe sometime I'm a little stubborn and I try to do things my way and if it doesn't work out, then I just have to learn that way. But my kids are the same way. And if the thing that annoys me the most about their little personalities is the thing that's exactly like me. So, I was like, wow, I can't believe I did that. So, it made me start thinking about all the times my mom tried to give me advice and I didn't listen. And believe me, I came up with a lot. And sometimes, okay, let's just be honest, it never ended well. (laughs) But it's like the damage was not always as bad as it could have been. Thank God for that. So, today, what I want to do is get some feedback from you. Can you remember a time when your mom or dad gave you some advice and you did not listen And things did not work out the way that you thought it would work out. If so, what I want you to do is go to Music and Vibes, go to the Facebook page, and leave me a message and tell me about a time when you did not listen to your parents' advice and then tell me what the result was. Because I am hopeful that maybe there was one of you guys out there who actually had a positive result. That never happened for me, but maybe it happened for one of you. So... Go to Music and Vibes, tell me your story about the advice you refused to listen to from your parents, and then tell me how it worked out for you. All right, I can't wait to hear from you, and I would love to hear your stories. Today on the podcast, I would like to talk to you about what I call BRS, or Being Rescue Syndrome. Now, in the very first episode of the podcast, For those of you who have not heard it yet, the podcast is called Hope You're Having a Good Day, so go and listen to that after you listen to this podcast. And for those of you who have heard that podcast, I know you'll understand where I'm coming from with this. Now, in that episode, I confided in you guys that I am a total romantic. Like, I love all the fairy tales and the romantic endings. I love the idea of Prince Charming coming to save me. I love the idea of my knight in shining armor coming to rescue me and beat up whoever's trying to bother me. (laughs) Like, I like all of that stuff. Now, ever since I was a little girl, it has always been my dream to be rescued by my Prince Charming and then live happily ever after. I think if I had to pick my favorite fairy tale, I would have to say it would be Cinderella. Now you guys know the story about Cinderella and how she was forced to cook and clean for her evil stepmother and stepsisters. Now I do want to throw out there, this is a fairy tale because I am a stepmother and I am not evil. And I do know of other people who are stepmothers who are amazing people. So, I just want to say this part of the fairy tale is wrong about the evil stepmother. But since it is a fake story, we'll go along with it. Now... It's amazing to me how, in the story, her stepmother would not allow Cinderella to attend the ball at the royal palace, and if it had not been for a fairy godmother, Cinderella would never, ever have met and danced with Prince Charming. I think my favorite part about the story is the ending, like when Cinderella loses her shoe, trying to make it home before midnight, and here is my favorite part of the story, because I love shoes, and I like the fact of the story that, She lost her shoe, and that this was the only way that the prince could find her. So, because this is the only way that the prince could think of to find her, he actually goes looking for Cinderella by having all the women in the kingdom try on the shoe that she lost. Yes, yes, okay, fine. I know this is not practical or even realistic, but you have to admit it is romantic. Finally, the story ends with the shoe fitting Cinderella. And of course, they live happily ever after. Or so at least, that is how it works in fairy tales. But in real life, this is not how things work out. Now, we all know that if Cinderella and Prince Charming were living in real life, this story would have had a way different ending. Yes, because I do believe in love. I do believe they may have gotten married, but I guarantee that after a few years and a couple of kids... They would have been crying, hurt feelings, arguments, both Cinderella and Charming would have had baggage that they brought into the marriage, so they would have to deal with this in order to make their marriage work. I'm sure they would have seen a counselor, maybe it would have been a fairy godmother, (laughs) I don't know, but you know, I'm sure that they would have had problems. They may have lived happily together, but I don't think the phrase happily ever after would have applied. Now, I know we're laughing about it now, because once you think of the story, it isn't realistic. Like, what are the odds that only one person in the whole kingdom wore that one side shoe? Yeah, it's just not realistic. But because I like fairy tales, I go along with this. Now, with that being said, and since we know that all of this happily ever after can only happen in fairy tales, then let me ask you a question. Why is it that we expect our spouses or significant others to be our knight in shining armor or the person that rescues us. I know, by now you're probably saying, Kiana, I do not expect my spouse or a significant other to rescue me. What are you talking about? I know, I said the same thing, but once I was completely honest with myself, I began to realize that I also had a case of being rescue syndrome. Now, for some of us, we have a very mild case of being rescued syndrome. Like, we don't literally expect our spouse or significant other to rescue us, but we do expect them to be tuned into our thoughts and emotions and always understand our feelings. Then, when they are unable to fulfill this expectation, we become hurt and angry. Now, this mild form of being rescued syndrome is very hard to recognize because it's kind of realistic. Like, who doesn't want their spouse to be in tune with their thoughts and feelings? Who doesn't want their spouse to understand them and make them feel loved? Like, this is a logical need. It's realistic. And it's something. It's a reasonable expectation that we should have of our spouse. However, it only becomes unreasonable when we expect our spouse to do this 100% of the time. Now, granted, I am married. And I can pretty much be in tune with my husband and everything and I'm just gonna honestly say I can do this like even on my best days I can do this probably 75% of the time and that's a lot of prayer and trying and working hard to do this but there are those 25% of the time where I'm not totally in tune like I'm thinking about something else I'm doing other things My mind's preoccupied with all the other things that I have to do. And there are times that I totally, totally miss what he's trying to tell me or is a misunderstanding or I just don't get what he's saying. There are times that happen. And so when that happens, it would be a shame if I was judged like, oh, Kiana's not listening or she doesn't care or she doesn't love me because that's far from the truth. But it's just that being a person and being human, I can't. 100% 100% of the time, be tuned in and understand because I'm a person and I'm human and that's kind of unrealistic. However, this is something that we all have found ourselves doing. Now, I know I found myself at times being frustrated and upset like, well, he's not listening. How could he not listen to me? But then the whole thing about this is that I forgot that 75% of the time that he was listening, and I just focus on the 25% of the time that he was not listening. So people, being rescue syndrome is not just having something that happens in fairy tales. It happens to us as well. And I can say for myself, I have had a mild case of being rescue syndrome throughout my marriage. And with that being said, I'm sure you have too. Now, if your spouse is anything like mine, I am sure that they are able to be there for you the majority percent of the time. Now, the twenty five percent of the time that they are not there for you, it doesn't mean that you're not loved. It doesn't mean that they don't care about you. It doesn't mean that they are not trying to be there from you. But we just have to realize our spouse is unable to rescue us from all negative emotions that we may have. They are unable to hear what we have to say one hundred percent of the time and As loving as they are and try and want to be, it is unreasonable for us to expect them to do this for us 100% of the time because being there for people is exhausting. And even on your best days, it's impossible to be there for someone 100% of the time, all the time, 365 days of the time. So this is why I call this a mild version of being rescue syndrome because Even as much as we may want to be there for our spouse 100% of the time, and as much as they want to be there for us, emotionally and everything 100% of the time, it's impossible to do. And you know why? Because we're human. That is why it is impossible for us to do. I mean, as human beings, we fail at this. It's not like we're trying to, but you know, it's just not something we can do 100% of the time. And for us to expect our spouse to do this for us 100% of the time is unrealistic and it's very unfair to them to expect them to do something that only God can do and expect them to be there 100% of the time. I honestly believe that when it does come to married couples, the majority of people who are married, they really want to stay married. And so we are all actively looking for ways to be a better spouse to our husband or wife. However... This is one reason why being, being rescue syndrome is bad for a marriage. Because husband and wives will focus on the one time where their spouse was not there for them. And then they'll ignore the hundred other times when their spouse was there for them. Just because they put this unrealistic, unrealistic really expectation on their spouse. And this is an unrealistic expectation because it would be impossible for anyone to meet. So even the mildest cases of being rescued syndrome can create havoc in a marriage. Now, moderate cases of being rescued syndrome can display itself in the following symptoms. Um, One, expecting your spouse to apologize first, feeling like you are never wrong and that your spouse is always at fault, failing to take responsibility for your actions and decisions, and having a need for control. Now, being rescued syndrome can also show symptoms of lack of trust and not asking for help when needed and always looking for the worst in your spouse instead of giving them the benefit of the doubt and thinking the best about them. Now most of the experience that are experienced in this moderate stage of being rescue syndrome, they're usually caused by previous hurts and wounds that have either been seen or experienced in a person's childhood, which leads to a moderate case of being rescued syndrome in which the person wants their spouse to rescue them by keeping them from all the same mistakes that either their parents have made or that other people have made and they've just seen or experienced. Now, people with moderate cases of being rescue syndrome are sometimes controlling because they just need to feel and they need to make sure that you are going to fulfill Your responsibility to them by making their outcome different from that of their parents or friends. And because of this, they have a need to control what they think you should do and shouldn't do. And it's not even about trying to control you most of the time. It's just that they are trying to control what happens to them. And that is why when it comes to this moderate case of being rescued syndrome, it is difficult. For a spouse to live up to this expectation because they cannot go back in time and erase what happened to you. They can only do the best that they can from this moment forward to be the best that they can be for you. Now, the sad thing about this is that the spouse is usually the last person to know that they are being expected to rescue their spouse from things that have already happened to them in their childhood or things that they think could happen as a result of their childhood. Therefore, living with a spouse with moderate being rescue syndrome can be difficult and quite challenging to say the least. Now when it comes to severe being rescued syndrome this is when a person expects their spouse to be everything to them and in return their spouse is supposed to supply all their needs. Now this can totally wreck a marriage because it is unfair and unrealistic to think that your spouse can be everything to you and then that they can supply all of your needs that is impossible they cannot be everything to you only God can be everything to you so imagine trying to be everything to your spouse at all times this is overwhelming and totally impossible because you cannot stop them from crying you cannot stop them from being hurt you can't read their thoughts you can't provide all their needs because sometimes as humans we have needs that we don't even know we have So the only person who can do this impossible task is God. And so for us to expect our spouse to be able to do this is totally unfair. Now that we have recognized that all of us to some extent have had a case of being rescued syndrome, and it's funny because the thing about this is that being rescued syndrome is not like one long thing that happens usually throughout a whole marriage. It comes in bits and pieces. And so you can display like moderate cases of it or moderate symptoms of being rescue syndrome mixed with mild symptoms of it, or it could be just severe, but it's not something that's ongoing. It's like it starts and then it stops. It starts and stops. And so sometimes it can be hard to recognize. Now that we've talked about what some of the symptoms are for being rescue syndrome, I guess the question is, how do we get rid of a desire to be rescued? Well, let's just say this. The first step with everything is to admit that you have a problem and that sometimes because of all of the emotional baggage that's brought into a marriage, we have unfair and unrealistic expectations for our spouse. Now that is step number one. Step number two. Step number two is to identify the area in your life where you expect your spouse to rescue you and come up with ways to fill that void. For example... And sometimes it's an easy thing to do. Sometimes it may not be as easy. Like, if it's the easy thing to do, for example, it would be like a woman wanting to go to the store, and she insists her husband goes with her, but he hates shopping. So then she gets mad at him because he doesn't want to go shopping. So an easy fix to that would be get one of your girlfriends who likes to shop, and you two go shopping. And that way... You won't put this expectation on him to have to go shopping when he doesn't even want to go shopping. Or for guys, another quick fix would be if you're married to someone who doesn't like sports and who isn't interested in sports, then don't get mad if your wife doesn't want to talk about sports or watch it with you. It's not personal. She just doesn't like it. So a quick fix for that would be to find some of your guy friends that you guys, who you know love sports as much as you, and watch the game with them and talk to sports with them about and talk to them about sports that would be an easy fix another thing like if it's more severe and they're like more emotional issues instead of expecting your husband or wife to actually fix this or deal with this what you can do is meet with a counselor and talk this out with them and then they can help you determine what you need to do and how to best deal with your baggage and different issues now I am not saying that your spouse should never be involved in your life because that's not true, they should. But I just think that um, instead of forcing them and getting mad to do instead of forcing them to do things that they don't want to do and then get mad at them when they may not want to have your when they don't have your same interest, it's easier to pair up with a female friend or a male friend who do have your same interests and then talk about that interest with them. And then the things that you and your spouse do have in common. Make sure that you spend date nights or some time doing those things with them. Because that way you are freeing them of this unrealistic expectation to do everything with you 100% of the time. And to be your everything 100% of the time. And you're giving them the freedom and the room and the breathing space just to be the unique and wonderful people that God made them to be. You're giving them a chance to grow into who God has for them to be so instead of us putting our expectations on them I think it's better for us to let God work with them and then we can do things on our own and then as a couple we can do things together that is what I think now with that being said it is a lot easier said than done it's easy for me to sit here and say stop accepting your spouse to be everything to you and you know just let that go but It's hard for some people because you have had this, you want to be rescued and you've had this syndrome for so long, it's just difficult to let it go. So what I say is for the third and final step, I would say give all of your voids and all of your expectations to God because he is the only one who can fulfill all of your needs all of the time and be everything to us. So that is how you get rid of being rescue syndrome. So this week I want to challenge you to recognize the symptoms that you have of being rescued and then give it to God and let him help you deal with these issues and free your spouse from having to be held accountable for all of these unrealistic expectations that we have placed upon them. Now the song that we are going to listen to today is called You Came. I wrote this song in 2012, but I feel that it's appropriate for today's topic because it talks about all the things that God can be to us. I think that once we let God be everything to us, we will be able to overcome the being rescue syndrome and take all of our unrealistic expectations off of our spouse. Now, for your listening pleasure, here's the song, You can. Before I end the show, I would like to thank our sponsor, Anique Music. Anique Music is a publishing company that represents all of the songs played on the show. So thank you so much for your sponsorship and for all of your support. All of the songs on the show are copyrighted and written by me, yours truly, Kiana W. Mitchell. Now I would love to encourage all of you to go to iTunes and leave a positive review for the show. If you have done this already, thank you so much for your feedback is appreciated. If you have not done this, I'm just gonna say thanks in advance for going to iTunes and leaving a positive review for the show. By giving the show a positive review on iTunes, you're helping more people find the podcast. So please leave a review for the show. Now on a positive note I have noticed that all of you have been doing an awesome 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 job sharing the podcast with your friends and family so continue to share the podcast It's very kind and is very much appreciated if you need to contact me just send me a message on music and vibes facebook page and i will get in contact with you i would love to hear from all of you and i'm excited to get all of your messages okay i think that's all for now but if i forget something then i'll just add it in the show notes well until next time Hope you're having a good day whether you're winning or losing. I love you and no matter what, you're gonna make it through. All right, bye-bye for now.
0: Hope you're having a good day whether you're winning or losing. I love you no matter what.